Welcome to Surviving Artists, the show where we talk to everyday working artists about where they come from, where they are now, and how they define success. I'm Will. I'm Amanda. Today's guest is Caitlin Page Longoria. She's an actor and painter here in New York City. I first met her in acting school, and I was just so struck by her perspective and outlook on life and arts. She's just such a genuine, open soul, and is just so vulnerable to letting everything in. She also just has the best laugh. Like, you earned it. You earned it. It could cure the world's ills. Caitlin came over to Will's house, our de facto studio, on a Sunday afternoon for a lovely chat. Before we roll it, just remember that you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're podcasts, you know the drill. And you can follow us on Instagram at surviving.artists. That being said, enjoy. All right. Well, hello. Let's do it. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for today. having me. <laughs> yeah. It's a true honor. Um, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like every episode, we start off with asking, where do you come from? Where do you go? Where do you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? No, mm-hmm. um, it's I think it's a wonder that we haven't. <laughs> it's a wonder that we haven't had anyone have that reaction before. It's uh, so funny. <laughs> um, I'm from San Antonio, Texas, but I've been in New York for like four years. But yeah, that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Texas born and raised. Love it. Yep. <laughs> so how did you come into the arts when you were in San Antonio, Texas? I think I've always been in it. Like I've just been like a super creative person in general. Mm-hmm. But um, like as a kid, I always knew I wanted to be an actor before I even knew that that was like an occupation. It's just like I was always performing for people, which sounds like really cliche um, and everybody does it. But it's true. <laughs> it's just so how it was. Um, and I would, like, basically um, sit my whole family down and, like, read them books. It's cute after, like, maybe the 15th time, but, like, <laughs> they, then they had to take the books away, and they were like, you gotta stop. Um, but, yeah, and so then I just kind of continually did that, and I never really acted until I went into high school. Before that, I was a singer, so I, like, uh, professionally sang for um, a lot of my, like, younger years. I, like, traveled Europe. I did, like, a bunch oh, wow. of stuff. Yeah. With like a children's choir, it was really cool. Um, some of the best experiences of my life. How'd you um, how'd you get involved with that? There was like an ad in the newspaper. I guess we moved to. So I grew up in um, San Antonio, but I was I lived a lot of my like elementary school years in Victoria, Texas, which is a small town, mm-hmm. about two hours away. And my parents had got a divorce, and I was staying with my dad. And then it was like this big move to the city with my mom. Mm-hmm. And she just, like, wanted to, like, get us involved with things. Like, I didn't necessarily have a social life when I lived with my dad. Um, And so she wanted to, like, get us to, like, hang out with kids at our age and, like, doing a bunch of stuff. My sister did, like, tennis and she started playing the violin. And the only thing I knew how to do was sing. And, like, so I was just like, I'll do that. Um, So she, like, found an ad in the paper. And I auditioned for this choir because he's like, bring a song prepared. And I was like, great. Lucky by Britney Spears. Absolutely. I'm going to be singing that. It makes everybody cry at Christmas. So I sang that song, and this, like, beautiful, older gentleman is like, who's Britney Spears? (laughs) Like, has no idea who this person is. Has no idea what's going on. And so he's like, do you know any other songs? And I was like, no, this is the only one I've prepared. <laughs> it's just a, it's I know. something Yeah, I know. And so he was like, okay, well, why don't you just like sing Happy Birthday? 
And then you pick someone to sing happy birthday to. My dad took me to the audition. And um, so I, like, sang happy birthday to my dad. And I got into this choir and, like, did some really cool stuff. Like, we recorded CDs and, like, did all this, like, traveled... Um, the country and it was just really crazy. Oh damn! August of happy birthday. Yeah. So wow. Yeah. August so. happy birthday. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, but that's kind of like how I just like jolted into like wanting to actively pursue like an artistic future. Yeah, it's kind of as yeah. close to like pre-professional as you can get. Yeah, yeah. For and, artistry. Right. Yeah, and it was it was casual. It was like some. I mean, I didn't. I never even looked at it. I was not like I was getting paid or anything. But it was just really lovely to do while in school and like you know processing like moving and stuff like that and it's just always been like a super great outlet for me and so I've always wanted to it's never not been an option for me not to do something creative mm-hmm. um so that but that's kind of like where it started so was the art something that ran in your family too my mother is not a particularly artistic person in the sense of like doing a fine art my dad as far as I know is not an artistic person but my grandmother is super artistic and we lived with her for a long time and she would paint a lot she did like uh, beautiful portraits of her cats which is still my favorite <laughs> thing in the world um and flowers and then she also did ceramics so we were constantly going to like craft shows and like she had like a whole room full of like molds and like a kiln and like all of this crazy stuff and so like I kind of grew up with like watching her paint these things and like take such good care and like her craft and She'd sell things and, you know, as a kid, I just like didn't think anything of it and which is kind of why I was said yes the way I did because even now I just like realized like how extraordinary that was to be a part of, but how like normal it felt. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, and my sister's like an artistic person too. She, like I said, she plays instruments and um, she also did like drawing and stuff as a kid. I would say that in my life growing up, I was probably the more artistic person in that sort of sense, but like singing and like acting and all that stuff was more... Of like a self-driven thing and not so much um, a product of my environment like growing up. Like my parents didn't even actually want me to be an actor. They had no desire for me to pursue that at all. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, it's just really yeah. neat that you're just around that creative energy. Yeah. The entire time where it was so normalized for you. Yeah, because like, that's the thing. It's just like, I'm, I mean, until like you ask me this now, you know, it's just like I never really thought that it was like... A, I never really considered it a creative space. I just considered it the space, right? And so... Yeah. But which is cool and lovely, and it is nice. I guess that's probably why I was, like, so encouraged to just keep doing it, even when, like, a lot of things were probably telling me not to be an artist or something, you know? So mm-hmm. Yeah, so you said that you didn't really start getting into acting stuff until high school, you said? Yeah, um, I have a learning disability. I'm dyslexic, and um, it was not... I didn't get diagnosed until after I moved to um, San Antonio when I was like eight. Mm -hmm. So when I did get to school, my education was changed. So I no longer had creative classes. I had educational classes to help me get through my like learning disability. Right. So it's like, instead of being able to take art and instead of being able to take theater, I had to take extra reading classes. Right. Yeah. On top of Yeah. And like, just like classes that were like a study hall, essentially, that would just Mm -hmm. like help me get through my work through the day. And like, they were more concerned with like my academic growth than they were about like the fun I had. <laughs> so I didn't even get the chance to do anything like that um, acting wise because I was also singing at that time but I just never had the opportunity and so when I went to high school um, it was a very exciting time to be able to like take those classes and like 
be able to participate into that stuff. And although I never got to act on stage in school, I did get cast in a few things, but it was still something that was getting very stifled. But it was, it didn't keep me from wanting to do it, which I think was the best part. Yeah. Two things that you mentioned that mm-hmm. as well as like the school prioritizing your academic achievement mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. theater, like that kind of speaks to a system and a, mm-hmm. a public schooling system. Was it public school? Mm-hmm. A yes. public school mm-hmm. system and kind of the status quo structure mm-hmm. of life where like art is not a profession. It is this thing that you do for fun on the side. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment or like a something that made you realize that you just like disagree with that status quo? I don't know if there was a moment that that happened. I just always knew that that was not right. As, as far as like my education being prioritized, like I respected that. I understood where everybody was coming from. I understood that I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to know these things, but I also, di- but I didn't understand why. It was almost like a punishment in a way to like be taken away from the activities to help my creative side grow, right? And just. I did find it interesting that, like, oh, they think that this is going to help me be smarter. Just, Mm -hmm. like, they think that I'm going to be fixed by, like, only staying in an educational system. For me, the school systems have too much structure, which isn't a bad thing, but I'm more of, like... didn't work for you. Yeah, you know, I'm more of, like, a free spirit sort of thing that's just, like... I'll take the paper and I'll look at it. <laughs> I'll like retain it and stuff, but like, don't ask me about it. <laughs> so then I guess I'm interested then in like how you made your decision to go to college, mm-hmm. which you mentioned. Well, I was originally supposed to come to New York when I graduated high school and it was not in a college setting. I was supposed to go to the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts, which is a two year conservatory program. And they're, no academic classes it's just purely like based on film acting um the Meissner technique is what they study over there um, which is how I got introduced to it and then in like a more of an active setting like you were constantly around you know cameras and the technology and learning how to edit and all of this stuff yeah it was it's a really cool program and then so I came to New York to visit it with my parents and they were like this is really awesome you're not coming here you need to be in a classroom. You need to take English. You need to take math. You need to, you know, study history. Like, I haven't been doing that for the past 18 years of my life, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, and so so they just weren't supportive of that, which is fine. Like, I get it. They're paying for it. Um, but it kind of, like, really threw me for a loop because I didn't want to be in that setting anymore. I just, like, couldn't. I couldn't be in that setting anymore. And I did decide to go to school in the end just because, like, when you grow up in the setting of being, like, you go to college, right? Mm -hmm. And as much as of a free spirit you want to be and as much as you just, like, want to experience things and just do it, I also wasn't given the resources to do that. Like, I didn't know how to do anything else but go to school. And I tried – because I tried. Like, I was sitting there and I was like, how do I create things and how do I, you know, get my – foot in the door in all these spaces and I just wasn't given those resources like I have to go to school if I want to be anything yeah so it was rough I mean I went to my acting classes and I did a bunch and then I was able to be in plays and that was like awesome I got to be an actor for the first time like really do it and my first play I got I didn't even get to go to callbacks I had to work because I was like paying for like my living and stuff and I was like, thanks for the callback, but I can't make it. And he, they cast me anyway. Like, they just, like, wanted me to be a part of it. And 
and my parents actually went to see that and that was the first time they ever saw me act and they were like mm -hmm. oh you're really good at this oh so that was kind of like the first time that they saw you yeah that was and then they were like we support you it was like a switch wow so that was the turning point yeah yeah and then so then i felt comfortable enough to not rely on like my receiving an education in that sort of way like i wanted to learn techniques and things like that shakespeare and stuff but once i kind of got their support their encouragement and stuff like that and that of like my peers i was able to be like oh i don't need to do this you know and even now my parents are not upset that i didn't finish school they're mm -hmm. still very supportive and my mom's like, I don't know if you need a full-time job. I think you should just be, like, acting more. And I'm like, well, that's nice. I think so, too, Mom. <laughs> I, you know, but. So how did you end up in New York? I know you came here for the New York. It was dramatic. Yeah, so I did end up eventually going to the right. conservatory um, in their summer intensive program. What was that process like? Uh, like the process of getting yeah, there. Right. Um, it was kind of like the impetus or like decision to go yeah. to that place in general i had been not acting or doing anything creative i like that's when i started painting right was right before i came to new york mm -hmm. because i was not doing any sort of acting i was working a full-time job getting underpaid to do so <laughs> I, it was just it took a lot and i was like wow I'm, i have this house i have this dog i was in a relationship of all these things and I'm so not happy and because I'm not even close to doing anything connected to acting in any sort of way or theater or film. My sister lived in New York and I came visit every year and every year I'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna move here in December. I'm gonna move here in the summer. And it like happened for like five years. I just kept saying, I'm gonna move here, I'm gonna move here. Then I, I was going through a particularly rough time in my life and I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm I'm going to sign up for this in intensive program and if I get in, I'm leaving and I'm going to take that time to take care of myself. It was like for a month. I'm gonna take that time to take care of myself and figure out what I'm gonna do with my life. And if I wanna move here, then I'll come back, I'll pack all my things and I'll move. Got into the program, which was awesome. They were so supportive. I mean, truly supportive institution. Um, they like helped me with scholarships. They like helped me like get what I needed to get there. So they were great. I came here did the intensive program, my mind was blown. I like found out about Meisner. I found out about like how to just like carry my like presence in a room full of all of these moving parts. I just, yeah, it was, it was truly, truly like the best experience of my life and I needed it. Um, and I actually never went back home. I called everybody and I said, if I get on that plane, I, I'm afraid I won't come back. And so I'm just going to stay sell my things, <laughs> tell my dog I love her and I'll come get her soon. And my partner at the time and I separated, like we, I was just like a clean break. And I was like, this is my, <laughs> I'm getting emotional. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> I was like, this is the start of like my true artistic life. And yeah. so, and then that's when I started to do it. Wow, I didn't think I was gonna <laughs> <laughs> No, but also yeah. like, the way you talk about it is such like a, it's a, it's a force bigger than me. <laughs> like. I don't, I just, that's just an observation that I yeah. think is like amazing. It's just like, this is my calling and it's calling yeah. me and like, I have to, I have to answer. Yeah. I just like, I didn't, I mean, there was like nothing I could do and there's nothing I can do about it. And it's, <laughs> it's hard, you know, it's a hard life to live, like to, to choose to live, but I don't know of anything else to be. And I, I feel so fortunate to like 
had that moment where I felt like if I don't stay here, I'll like literally die inside. Like if I got on that plane, it was going to be the death of myself. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but it's just really the truth of it. And I just, I felt alone and like in that process. I mean, the journey is, is lonely, but I don't regret like it at all. So after the six weeks at the New York mm -hmm. Conservatory, what what came next after that? I decided to stay and I was like, great, I have to get a job. <laughs> I have to find an apartment, I have to do these things. I did all that and I was really struggling to kind of like figure out what to do next. Like you make the decision and now like, what's that step one, what's step two? And I didn't have any, I guess I had people to reach out to, but I didn't have like a terrible amount of resources. So I was just mm -hmm. like reading a lot. I bought a bunch of books on like how to sketch and how to paint with watercolors and because um, I was like okay I need to, I have all this creative energy I need an outlet um, I was like you know just doing anything and everything that I could I was like doing some auditions but it wasn't fruitful because I still I was so raw and like I didn't have a technique I didn't have even though I had dabbled in Meisner I mean it wasn't like I took too many classes in it and it was like a brief synopsis of it and I didn't know what to do next and I was like maybe I'll take classes and my friend um she gave me William Esper's book I read that like in one sitting it was crazy and I was so inspired by that and I was like this is the technique that I need to be doing this is the only way that I can do what I need to do and funny uh, I was also trying to date at the time so I met this guy on tinder on his profile, it said he went to William Esper's studio. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my god. They did whatever I could to match with this kid yeah. so that I could ask him about William Esper's studio. And then I was like, <laughs> thanks so much. Like, no, I don't want to grab a drink, but like... Just pick his brain. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, where is this place located? <laughs> um, and I called and I got an inter interview and I got in. And I was like, I know, I was like sitting there... God, I really hope I don't run into this guy because I don't remember what he looks like. <laughs> and he, I don't want him to come up to me. <laughs> I was just so, it was so crazy. Yeah, and then I did that for two years of my life. Yeah. Just, and it was insane and really beautiful. My, my body is an instrument now because of that. Mm -hmm. It really just like taught me what it is to be like a professional actor mm -hmm. um, who takes care of themselves who, you know, studies the work and, and takes that time to do all of that and, and to really understand um, the different parts of, like, humanity, really. So that's been really crazy. That's what I did. I joined Tinder, and I found out about William Esper Studio. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're trying to yeah. replicate this career path, yeah, you know. swipe. <laughs> but I'm curious about how, because you are talking about how structure isn't for you, but I'm wondering how... <laughs> then I found structure. Right? <laughs> Well, at Esper, because yeah. it's because there is a structure to this technique. I'm wondering mm -hmm. how that was for you. I think it, with acting, I was given my own free reigns for so long with it, and then given like tidbits of like good advice and not so good advice, right? That I was like, this is something that I need structure in. Mm -hmm. Like this is something that is so much bigger than myself. Like taking on the essence and the soul and the work of other people that was too big for me to not treat delicately right mm -hmm. so I wanted to have a structure within that to do justice to the art of what I was signing up to do so that's why I 
needed this structure within the chaos of like this emotional realm that you kind of put yourself in as an actor. It's, it was, it's, it is a strange thing to think that that's the one thing in my life that I actually do need. But because like I, it's no secret, everybody who knows me, I'm like one of the most emotional people that walks this planet. Like I will scream of happiness one second and then like cry my eyes out the next. Like it's just because of everything I witness. And when you choose to be an actor and you choose to give yourself up to any sort of emotion, you have to protect yourself in some sort of way. And like, so that's where also the need for structure came. You went through the program, like it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, my first year, like my roommates were like, we don't know how to talk to you. They're like, you are in a headspace that is, like we think that you might snap. Cause I was just like, like a vessel of emotion. Just I was like just like, and, you know, I was experienced like anything, everything. I was like le- letting it just go through me and all this stuff, which is why second year is so great because then I was like, okay, they start to give you scene work and they start to like give you that structure because at the first part of first year is essentially like deprogramming you to just allow yourself to feel everything, right? Because in um, modern day society, we're told to... Um, smile at the workspace and like do all these things and mask your feelings in a way like men don't cry and like you know things like that which is changing right now you know in this time and age but when we were growing up it it certainly wasn't Mm -hmm. there yet like my teacher Bruce uh, McCarthy he would always be like where are you from (laughs) because he just like was like I can tell that that's like the structure you grew up in based off of how you're holding back so then he breaks out in the Esper studio will break all that away and then you feel really crazy and like you might lose your mind and then they, you know, help you. Yeah. And like channel it, which is, you know, important as an artist. And it's like, it was interesting. It was, it was a really amazing experience. Yeah. And like working with Bill in second year was, was beautiful with all of his nuggets of advice just for life and being free as an artist. Like he really, he really reigned in that emotion and like that kind of um, experience of working with him and being like, it's so great you can be experience all these emotions, but now let's fine tune this mm-hmm. thing. That reminds me just now, I remember one day, you are so right with the whole nuggets of information. Mm-hmm. It's only like two sentences, yeah. but it can be so profound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, remember, where's my notebook? <laughs> yeah. I remember one day, though, I can't remember what was going on, what was working, but I think someone was really, really raw and emotional doing a scene work or something. But Bill, I remember he unscrewed his water bottle and then poured water on the table and he said right now this is you it's you're all emotion but there's no structure to it so you see the water in this water bottle right now it's your Mm -hmm. emotion then the structure is there so you're not just like you said yeah i mean i forgot about that and there's like a mechanism to get it to Mm -hmm. you the drinker or the audience yeah 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 in a nourishing way yeah Mm -hmm. that's really interesting yeah i mean it is and it's it's like you don't want to scare the people away like Mm. yeah yeah you just there's needs to be some sort of control to the madness of it Mm -hmm. so that people can understand it and we're still artists like we're very emotional people but we're also playing people so you also have to think of like how a person within a person sort of functions you can't run around and like scream and experience all these things and stuff like there's a poise to it you know what I mean so it was interesting to to get that and I just need you just need it and I realized that pretty early on into being in New York that that is something that I needed if I wanted to do this Mm -hmm. I've been a part of this show for a really long time called Taylor's Tasters 
in the show, I play a young girl named Anna, who's like maybe 16, 17. And she is like Hitler's food taster. She has to, with two other girls, um, go to a bunker every day and taste his food before he eats it. Um, and involuntary, you know. She's like one of the more emotional characters. She also experiences a lot of trauma. She's young and she's like fighting with the the truth of like the world and like the the world that she's living in as well. She doesn't, she questions a lot of the, the mm-hmm. things that are going on. Why the others are maybe like, ignorance is bliss or like, I'm listening to what my parents told me, things like that. And that was interesting to kind of dive into that headspace because having been a young girl myself once and I feel so connected to this person, I feel like maybe we were the same person at one point in our lives. Um, And then having to sprinkle in the fact that she's a restricted Nazi girl who anything and everything that she says could kill her at any moment and that she's also living in war you know and that stuff you can only understand through research and like all of these you know resources that you have to like do the work to get to which was also instilled in us at the studio it's like you can't just show up and like learn the lines and think that you understand it like I've been doing the show for the better part of a year. Now it's going over a, a year. And the first performance that I did was nothing compared to the, the last one I did. You know, like, it's just, I've educated myself so much. And I will continue to educate myself. And it's just like, you have, and you have to do these things. And if I didn't understand what the structure of, like, my emotional life was, I couldn't even get to the research of it that now I'm like oh I got the emotions I know where I need to be now I get to like be this person and that's like I get to study it I like kept a journal I went to Scotland um to do Edinburgh Fringe Festival with this play and I kept a journal as Anna and I wrote in it often you know and because I needed to build these experiences of this person but you know the the structure that you get through that is just so essential in order to like get people to understand you know who these people are totally. that you choose to be. I guess I guess we can talk kind of you you alluded to it, but I guess we can kind of jump into like what does your day look like now? You're juggling a lot mm-hmm. of different creative outlets, mm-hmm. um, also a day job I know. that is not a very crazy <laughs> day job. Yeah. Um, so, what does your life kind of look like now? What does a day in your life look like now? Um, now it's chaotic because you know it's just who I am but I do I so I work essentially like a nine to seven job Monday through Friday within the film industry um doing like production accounting and things like that um so that's cool to be a part of because I'm still like in it but then come home and I'll paint or I'll do a collage or sometimes I don't you know it's just um I do all this stuff on the side. I just did my first art show, which was really great. Thank you. Um, And that's becoming more of a part of my life. Doing the balance of acting and day job and mixed media work and stuff. So, and then I'll spend my weekends doing that. And um, usually I would audition, but at this particular moment, um, I'm still part of this play. So, you know, we're going to um, Los Angeles in March with the show. We're potentially going to other places with it. I'm also potentially doing it off-Broadway. have all these things in the works. So it's like that's kind of been my focus mm-hmm. as acting-wise, right? Um, it's also quite a heavy show. So it's just like you kind of only can do... For me personally, I can only do one thing at a time with that. Of course. Yeah. Um, so that's when now I'm just like doing like arty stuff, like painting and, and things like that. I have a couple of commissioned pieces right now that I'm working on. And that's been a lot of fun and collaborating with like a person that wants to buy my art and like what I can offer and what we can change and like 
you know, that's more structural than, you know, I'm used to, but it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. What is, what has that experience been like in terms of like commissions and stressful? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I do my thing. Like, that's what it is. It's just like, I'm, if I decide to do a piece, um, whether it's collage or painting with like mixed media, I impulsively feel it and I do it. Um, yeah. with the collages that started through a 30 day challenge where I've wanted to explore this new medium and, gave myself specific guidelines that weren't like too restrictive. It was just like, okay, it has to have an, a black and white animal in each photo but or in each thing. But after that, just like do whatever you want, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was just really free to do that. And I could make a piece in one day and be like, I hate that, you know what I mean? Or I love that, I can't believe I, I, can't believe I made that. Like that's so cool in like an hour or six hours or whatever. So when they started getting commissioned stuff, um, the collage is a little bit easier because I have a little bit more fun with it. Um, I think because the paintings are so emotionally attached to myself that it's hard for me to do it for someone else. Yeah. Um, they almost have to just like buy a piece that I make because I can't create one of those for someone, another person, you know? Right, yeah. Like how commodifying something that is like a really personal mm-hmm. process to you in other spheres, mm-hmm. like are you able to do that? Like, I don't think that I'm able to do it as much as I'd like to. Uh-huh. Like, I would, pr- I would love to be able to only commissioned work and that be like my life when I'm not acting and mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff. But I don't think that I can. Like, I think what I'm doing now is fine and it's fun and it's lovely to do. And I'm excited that these people in my life want a part of what I'm doing. Yeah. But I don't think I could do it too much and if people want my work they can just buy what I make you know what I mean I just I don't think that I'll be able to um be too restrictive with myself for too long and then maybe you know I could take a break and then go back to it and stuff but I always thought I'd be that artist that would just love to do commissioned work and like whatever you want I can do but um, I don't work that way really as well as I thought I would (laughs) or hoped to you know (laughs) but that's also been cool to discover like all of this stuff is so new to me like I just I'm just figuring it out like everybody else and so it's it's kind of cool to discover like how I function within all of this stuff and how I don't function and you know mm-hmm. so it's been it's been like a truly like consistent growth throughout my whole process of learning all these new things but but I think that yeah, kind thanks. of feeds us to our like culminating kind of thought here like you have you know, you in acting, you have achieved success in that, like, or at least you've achieved recognition. I don't want to put words mm-hmm. kind of in the mouth, but you've achieved recognition from your parents, but also, like, going to the Fringe Festival mm-hmm. is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. You have, like, accomplished so much when it comes to singing. You have sold paintings. You have, um, you had your first art show. Like, I guess it leads us into our culminating thought, which is, which of those things matter to you most? And, like, how do you define success? I don't think anything matters to me the most. I think that all of those things are so important. And I don't think I could live without one or the other. As far as like success, I feel pretty successful just by being inspired by the world, allowing myself to be open and experience everything. And so I feel like when I stop caring about those things, then I've done a huge disservice to myself and like the creative space around me. And like, that's for everybody. I feel like, you know, we all have this like really beautiful creative energy around us. Everybody has it within them. 
And it's literally like floating in the world at all times. And we just have to keep giving it back and forth to each other. We just have to keep sharing it. That's successful. Like that, if we just keep sharing and keep opening ourselves up to one another, and if I keep allowing myself to be able to do that, then I, and that is my highest form of success is to being able to do that. It doesn't have anything to do with money or, or the amount of projects I'm doing. Like if I don't do a project, you know, an acting project for a year, I don't feel like I've failed. I don't even know if like success is a word that I even have in my vocabulary, to be honest. I just, if I were to, to frame it, that's how I would frame it. But it's just, I think sometimes that word can be really harsh on people. There's this constant measuring up that people feel. And if you just like do what you want to do to the best that you can, then that is successful. You know, just be happy. It's not easy, but you know. But yeah. Thank you. Well, oh, thank, thank you. you guys. This is fun. lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Once again, this is Surviving Artists. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a follow on Instagram at surviving.artists. See you next time.